Thanks for tuning in to Start With Scripture, a Hesed Heart podcast. I'm your host, Audrey Grove, here to bring you scripture reading and application that can fit into your morning routine and your busy schedule. Learn more at hesedheart.com. Happy Friday. It's the beginning of a brand new, beautiful week that you can act for God's glory and point others to him this week. If you remember back on Saturday, we saw Paul just getting to Jerusalem. And when he was there, he found out that the Jews were upset with him, that he was not only preaching to the Gentiles, but he was sharing a message of grace, that all of these moral and ceremonial laws They don't add to our salvation. Salvation is only found by grace through faith in Christ. And people were getting upset about this, saying that he said that the law of Moses didn't matter, which he never said. He just said that it wasn't used for your salvation because we all fall short. And we saw that he went and he was taking steps to purify himself, to appease these Jews. And still, they were committed to misunderstanding him. And that's where we're at today. So let's dive into Acts chapter 21, verse 27, and I'm reading from the ESV. When the seven days were almost complete, this was the seven days of uh, purification, and he was letting them know when they would be fulfilled. When the seven days were almost complete, the Jews from Asia, the Jews he had met previously, who had run him out of town, essentially, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law and this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Which, according to my research, there was an area in the temple where Gentiles could go. Kind of like the outer courtyard where Gentiles were allowed to be. And they were supposing, without any proof, that Paul had brought Gentiles into the inner area of the temple where only Jews were allowed to go. For they had previously seen Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Hear that? Just assumptions. Just supposing. There is no truth. There is no fact. And they're allowing these assumptions to fuel their argument, to fuel their anger, which isn't healthy. And we see how it's going to end. Then all the city was stirred up and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. So I don't know how in their minds they think this is okay as Jews when one of the Ten Commandments was do not kill, do not murder. And yet they're here seeking to kill Paul. They're dragging him out in what we can assume is like this violent, almost riot, if you will. And so finally word gets up to the upper authorities of the Romans. And they hear that all of Jerusalem's in confusion. 
he at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So this whole time, before they were able to get there, Paul was beaten just for being there at the temple, just for loving on these Gentiles, just for sharing the truth of God. He was being beaten. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another, and as he could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. So now we see Paul is actually kind of stuck in the middle between the Jews who want to kill him and now the Romans who are arresting him because they don't know what's happened. They don't know what's going on. And when you come to a scene and one person is at the center, I guess they assumed he was the cause, he was the bad guy, he was at fault. So they took him in to custody, even though they don't have any facts at all. And when he came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out, away with him. So he was carried. Was he carried for some other reason or was he carried because he had been beaten so badly that he couldn't go up the steps? I'm not sure, but either way, Paul's in bad shape. There's an angry mob there crying out away with him and he is surrounded just by some Roman soldiers. And with a crowd this size at any time, hypothetically, they could break through the soldier's line. He is in mortal danger here in the temple. But let's see what his response is. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then, who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of assassins out into the wilderness? So this officer has a complete misconception about who Paul is. He thinks Paul is some revolution leader who is from Egypt. So Paul replies, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city, I beg you, Permit me to speak to the people. And I was just listening to a sermon uh, by Tim Keller about this section of scripture, actually. And it's so interesting because he shared something we don't see in our English translation. But in the original Greek, we see that Paul actually addressed this officer with a very formal Greek that he could only have received from a good education and from a good standing in society. And so by using this very formal, polite, correct form of Greek, he's almost in a sense earning the respect of this officer. And so when he asks, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people, he actually gives him permission to do so. But take a pause here and notice, Paul is being extremely brave. He is truly living out this this idea that his life is not of any value. Thinking back to that verse in chapter 20, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. 
even in this dangerous, chaotic situation where he's already been beaten, where who knows how much pain he is in, and he is just about to be free of this danger, stepping into the barracks, he stops, he puts himself out there, he earns respect enough that he can now speak to the people, the exact people who were just beating him, the people who had wanted to kill him. And instead of taking the first opportunity to get out, he stops in the midst of the crazy. He stops in the midst of the chaos. He stops in the midst of the people who are trying to harm him. And he asks to speak to them. What we're going to see is a gospel message. And this takes extreme love for these people, extreme purpose of the gospel and sharing that with others, an extreme bravery as even in the midst of this crazy situation, he doesn't allow any fear he may face, any overwhelm he may face to paralyze him. But he boldly stands up and he asks this officer, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands to the people. And Tim Keller believes this was an orator's motion, which was very common at the time when um, these speakers would stand up. They would give a certain hand gesture so people knew who they were. They were about to start. So Paul gives this motion with his hands. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language specifically Aramaic, saying, And tomorrow and the next day, we're going to see this beautiful speech that he gives them, that he shares with them, and, and kind of what happens here. But today marks a change in Paul's life. From freely moving around and traveling and speaking the gospel to now being consistently in chains. And yet, in spite of that shift, in spite of his being in custody, he still wants to speak to the people who had just beat him. That is love. That is purpose. That is the gospel mission that we have. So tune in tomorrow as we listen to him share this beautiful message of the gospel, God's work in his life. And I'll see you tomorrow morning.